Welcome to this podcast series produced by the Race Equality and Anti-Racist Subcommittee of the University of Edinburgh in collaboration with Teaching Matters. We will hear from different academics at the university talking about what decolonizing the curriculum means for them and how they have put this into practice in their learning and teaching or research. They also share some findings and readings they have found useful. The hope is that the podcast will provide ideas, stimulate thinking and dialogue, as well as building a network of academics in the university who are interested and engaged in offering an anti-racist, a decolonized and inclusive curriculum. If you're interested in contributing a podcast to this series, please get in touch with Emily Senner or Johanna Halton, co-conveners of the Race Equality and Anti-Racist Subcommittee. To get in touch with Emily, email her at emily.senna at ed.ac.uk. And to contact Johanna, email johanna.halton at ed.ac.uk. Thank you for listening. Renata, thank you very much for taking part in this podcast series and decolonizing the curriculum. Can I ask you to perhaps briefly introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for asking me to be a part of the podcast today. Um, my name is Dr. Gwinnetta Curry. I'm originally from the U.S. Um, I have a Ph.D. in medical sociology. My major area of study is on racial and ethnic health disparities. My uh, title here at University of Edinburgh is a lecturer of race, ethnicity and health. What does decolonizing mean for you? For me, decolonizing means the removal of colonial power and influence on Black people. When I talk about Black people, I'm Black people in diaspora, so across the globe. Um, to me, proper decolonization is the return of power and control to the population that are impacted by colonization. Um, a lot of the conversations now have been around decolonizing the curriculum, and it consists of diversifying the curriculum more so than decolonizing it. And I, I make that distinction because it's more than just adding in scholars of color or other readers from other areas. It's about actually acknowledging the racist history of certain disciplines or certain practices, acknowledging that before moving forward. So that's a really important distinction that you've made, that it actually is the practice of really looking at the content of what you're teaching or you're researching on and thinking about um, that impact of colonialism on it. And it's not simply about diversifying the reading list. So could you maybe share with us how you've taken this forward as part of your own learning and teaching and research? Yeah, so I work for the um, Center for Population Health, and I help teach medical students, as well as I contribute to the Masters of Public Health. And in my role within the Usher Institute, I have been able to um, make different adjustments in terms of how things are taught or what materials are included. I've recorded video lectures for the MPH program, as well as the year one uh, medical training. I am currently helping design year two coursework and is going to implement more research on race and ethnicity. Um, some other things I've been a part of is the various groups across campus that are at the heart of decolonizing the curriculum, as we say. So in doing that, we are looking at different syllabi, how things are taught, and kind of scrutinizing these things and make sure they are actually addressing the racist history that, um, that, you know, that happens in medicine in particular. So when we talk about the history of medicine, we have to address how 
racialized populations have been mistreated in medicine, why they may mistrust society. And this has been very central to the work on COVID-19, because with COVID-19, what we've seen is that it's really shined the light on the inequalities, racial and ethnic inequalities in the UK. Um, it's no longer, you know, it cannot be denied. And so with this new focus, it's kind of created an opportunity for us to implement um, a heightened awareness of the issues and impact that racism and colonialism has on um, people of color. And when we talk about vaccine distribution, I, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago about vaccine distribution, and it was very clear that the superpowers are hoarding the uh, COVID-19 vaccines. And you have here in the UK, when it's about a little over 50% of the adult population who's been vaccinated versus different countries within the continent of Africa, it's like one in a hundred thousand, right? So you're talking very small numbers there. And even in India, you have very low numbers of vaccination and they are the ones who produce the vaccine for 60% of the world, right? So we're addressing these issues. We're having conversations about this. I've done um, plenty of presentations and lectures um, as a part of different programs within the institution as well as outside the institution. I've done webinars for the NHS talking about systemic racism and the history of racism in medicine to increase their awareness of how racism impacts how patients are being treated as well as their fellow colleagues. Thank you very much for that. Um, as you talked about um, the coursework and the, and the teaching materials in year one and year two, can you give an example of where your thinking has gone or your colleagues and you are looking to redress or reposition some of that teaching and that course material, perhaps an example would be very helpful to the listener. Yeah, so um, Jenny Hardin is the one who is over the medical school training and working with her, she's my line manager, we've worked to embed the issues of race and racism throughout the medical school training. It's not a single section on race and ethnicity. We're working to embed that through first year training all the way up. And I've actually done a refresher for the year four medical students addressing these same things. So in terms of how racism and ethnicity is important to take into account in medicine. Sometimes in medicine, we only want to think about the biological things. We know that race is a social construct and say, so what place does it have in medicine? Right. So when I come into these conversations, we talk about the impact of racism on the patient that they may be um, encountering. In terms of uh, addressing structural racism and having the students actually think about these things, right? So actually thinking about how structural and institutional racism impacts the health of their patients. So when they're when they are with a patient, do they understand that the environment that they're sending the patient back into? Can they follow the guidance that you're giving them? If you have a patient that comes in and maybe need to make dietary changes, and you say, okay, yeah, you need to eat, you know, uh, more fruits and vegetables, but you send them back into an environment where they may not have access to those fruits and vegetables. Same things in terms of exercise. So if you want to address, you know, behave, make behavioral changes, you have to consider the conditions that people are living and working in. I know in your research on the impact of COVID on Black minority ethnic communities, that the research teams have had to take into account the different characteristics of people and how these intersect to impact on life chances. I wonder if you might reflect on the link between the decolonizing agenda with the concept of intersectionality. So um, with decolonization, 
a lot of people have linked it to intersectionality. So they will start thinking about how race and gender interact and how they positions women of color um, in these different institutions, right? But some of the language that's been used in terms of um, intersectionality have ignored some of the struggles that have happened in terms of um, Black men in particular. So when we talk about decolonizing the curriculum, when we talk about um, science, we talk about who is allowed in certain spaces, a lot of times it's ignored that Black men are also not allowed in these spaces, right? So we look around us and you talk about the underrepresentation of Black people in the institution, it's very clear that they're not Black men here. Um, very few Black men are in the institutions. That's, that's kind of the one of the issues I have with the intersectionality um, discourse is that, yes, we must, uh, we know that there are certain issues in relation to gender, um, we talk about women and race, but we cannot um, buy into the idea that Black men has the same power that white men do to oppress women of color or women, period. And there will be people listening who are interested, but they don't quite know where to start. Um, what might your advice be for them? Um, my advice would be to read, really. I think if you're talking about decolonization, you cannot ignore the work of France Fanon. Black Skin, White Mass, The Wretched of Earth, those are kind of like textbooks, like what you should be focusing on when you decide you want to get into decolonization. And I think that'll give you a deeper understanding about what it is. And that's way, I think that's, that is a way we can move away from the idea of diversifying the curriculum versus decolonizing the curriculum. Because Francois is very clear that the act of decolonization is not diversity. And um, I think that if we take that approach and have a deeper understanding that decolonization is truly the creation of something new and it's not just sprinkling in and salt and pepper the the literature. That's a wonderful analogy. Um, are, are there any, I mean you obviously recommending Fanon's work uh, in particular, any other writers or books or articles that you might suggest? Yeah, so I would say France Fanon is the core. And then also um, Dr. Tommy Curry, he wrote a great article about decolonizing the intersection, which was great, which addressed some of the issues around intersectionality. And the dialectical crisis um, is another article that he wrote that I thought was, was great in terms of talking about decolonization. Dr. Joyce Ladner wrote a book that she entitled The Death of White Sociology. And I use this book to teach social problems because what she did, she pretty much turned the discourse in sociology on its head. I'm a sociologist by training. And what the field of sociology has done from the beginning is kind of show that Black people were the problem. So it was only studying Black people as the problem. And what Joyce Ladner's work has done was show that no, you need to understand like the impact of racism and colonization on this population and that no, they shouldn't be read as a, a deviant behavior. This is their culture and this is valuable as what, what it is, right? So it's nothing that, it's always a comparison to whiteness and that becomes the problem. And what she's done is kind of changed that narrative and said, okay, this is what's happening in black community. These are the values and this is why it's important. And this is the impact that racism has had on their condition. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. And I'm sure that, you know, we will post the books that you've mentioned and the articles you've mentioned um, to support the podcast. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add? I think that with 
decolonization, I think this is an important move that we're currently making. And I am glad that the university is taking it on board. And I think it's just important to have an understanding of what decolonization is. I think that we have to look at decolonization as the removal of the colonial influence, right? And so I think that's going to be the driving force of how do we recognize the history of racism and colonization and how do we reshape our view or vision of communities of color or minoritized populations. I think that the way we understand things, even the way we talk about lower middle income countries, right, it's always in comparison to what's happening in the Western world. And the fact that they do things differently is seen as less than, and we have to move away from that narrative. And that's exactly what Joyce Ladner's book have shown in terms of how we study Black people. It cannot be done in a way that they're seen as deviant or less than just because they don't follow the model of whiteness. <laughs>